Hello and welcome back to the Wake Up Digital Marketing Podcast with me, Hermione. I'm really excited about today's episode. We're talking with Yi and Claudia, who are the co-founders of Pod Studios, a marketing consultancy that creates digital marketing strategies for brands with a particular focus on paid channels. We talk about how to bring more flexibility to your business, the importance of values for B2B businesses, and tips on getting started with paid social. If you enjoy this episode, please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really helps to boost the podcast. And now let's move on to the interview. I reached out because I really loved the content that you guys were putting out. And I also saw that you were talking about being a values-based agency, which is something that I thought was very unique. So I'm really excited to talk more about it. So to get started, it would be great if you guys could just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about Pod. I'm Claudia, and alongside you, I'm the co-founder of Pod Studios. I'm originally from Girona, which is a city about an hour north from Barcelona. In terms of my career, I studied advertising and PR, and then came to the UK to do a master's in marketing. And then after my master's, I returned to Barcelona, where I started working as a marketing intern for a B2B company. But after only a year of being back, I decided to come to the UK again and started working in a digital agency in London, which is actually where I've stayed for about seven and a half years and also where I met Yi. Earlier this year in January, I left to go traveling, which obviously wasn't the best timing, but I managed to squeeze in a good couple of months. And even though having my travels come to a halt wasn't exactly what I hoped for, it's what prompted the launch of Pot Studios, which... I guess it's a good thing that came out of it. Um, Just in terms of intros to me, so I'm Yi, I'm Northern Malaysian. Both of them feel like a bit of a home from home. So the Northern countryside versus kind of the humidity of Malaysia. Um, But I just love being in both places equally. So that's been great. Um, From a personal perspective, I've been in London for 10 years and I think I'll be here for the foreseeable future. In a similar way to Claudia, my background is in marketing. So I did a marketing degree at Newcastle University and then straight straight to London um, and straight into kind of the marketing field. So as Claudia mentioned, both of us form Pod Studios. We're great friends and we are old colleagues. And we founded Pod Studios, as you mentioned, as a values-based agency, as we felt that's what we hadn't necessarily seen in market and it's something that is really really important to us so after working together for almost seven years we know that we can work really well together um we thought why not this is an interesting time um but it seems to be a good time and in terms of what pod studios offer it's a marketing consultancy with a specific focus across paid channels and so you talk about yourselves, you mentioned that you're a values-based agency. And this, this really stood out to me because, you know, I've been researching different agencies and work with different agencies, and it's something I've never, never seen before. So it'd be really cool if you could sort of talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so as you say, this year in particular has been when the conversation around values has really boomed and when more B2C brands have started taking it a bit more seriously. I think they're starting to realize that it's, probably not just box ticking exercise or about jumping on the bandwagon and posting some, some stuff on social media. Customers actually expecting brands to back up their words with actions. They're expecting real change and even more diversity in the boardrooms. 
So more and more customers are willing to call out brands that are not fulfilling their promises and, and are even actually stopping to purchase from them if their values don't align. So to me, it's actually quite interesting that even though this is a very obvious and necessary conversation for us as consumers, it hasn't really been extrapolated to the same level or in the same way to our working environment and B2B relationships. And in this case, I'm not only referring to kind of the big topic conversations such as climate change or diversity, which are obviously extremely necessary, but also to personal and human values like respect, honesty or openness. And I really think we should start talking about it more in a similar way to how we think about it in our personal lives. So if the relationship is not mutually beneficial on a business to base, business basis, it's actually going to end at one point or another and probably not in a good way. So I always kind of think about it in like, why don't we set standards as businesses from the very beginning on how we want to work and who we want to work with? And actually, based on a couple of experiences that we've had since starting Pot Studios, we've realized how important uh, partnerships are and how important it is that the values and ways of working of both parties are aligned, as this is ultimately what helps build trust and long-lasting business relationships. So I think that's why we thought that values are super important and also why it's necessary to bring those in the B2B context. And so if you're going were to give some advice to brands um, or other B2B businesses about how to identify and communicate the values that they want to project out as a business, where would you suggest starting? As you both mentioned, there has been a, this focus on B2C and then this kind of catch up for the B2B brands. And we are seeing, as we speak to more people, we are seeing more clients and we're seeing more brands expect this from their potential partners. So again, it goes back to, it's really key that company values match for, for a successful relationship, as Claudia mentioned. So as you say, it's very important, if not more important in the B2B space. So I think there's kind of three key areas that we talk about here. It's really about defining your goals, be honest, be realistic and try and keep it as simple as possible. Ask yourself so many questions, like ask yourself and your team members, your co-founder, depending on kind of how the business looks, you know, what is really important to you? What is really important to your team? Are your values aligned with each other? And then kind of think about where you want the business to be and whether those values are then aligned with your long-term goals, if sustainability is one of the key things that you want to focus on. And can your values be upheld whilst you scale? Once you've defined it in theory, ensure that you put it in practice. So it's really about, you know, when you're making decisions for the company in the day-to-day -day running, whether that's the operations um, or onboarding new partners and suppliers, think about how those values look in practice. So in practice, that could be as you're growing out your team, really think about do your new teammates have very similar values to you. Um, so it's just kind of like using the day-to-day -day running of the business and having that lens in mind. And it could be as you pitch for new business, is this new potential business, is this new potential client aligned with you? Can you see yourself having a long-term relationship and partnership? Um, I think they're all really key questions. Thirdly, it's that commitment. So, you know, kind of across the board, they say, let actions speak louder than words. Um, 
And it's the same for any business, whether it's B2C or B2B. It's great to talk about it. It's great to talk about the values. It's great to talk about what you're going to do. But then consumers or other businesses, depending on which sector you're in, they definitely need to see how those relate into actions. And I think the key is, it's ensuring that the actions are really pervasive throughout the business, really instilling those values, which then deepen the meaning and the impact, especially as you're growing the team and you're building out and you're having more conversations. Um, the more people think about it and people respect it. And then it feels more natural to be able to communicate that. So it feels real that you are able to communicate that. And whether that's um, communicating it via social media or in your wider marketing communications and even just discussions as I keep saying like discussions with potential partners and suppliers people can feel that and then maybe they would then approach you to be like no these values are also really important for us this aspect around values I think it's something that has been becoming more important but it's become significantly more important this year with with covid and the pandemic and everything and um, we've just seen the second lockdown sort of starting in the UK and it's been going on for a little while now in France. And so have you seen any specific challenges this year um, or challenges or trends um, with the brands and businesses that you've worked with? Yeah, so one of the trends that we've seen or and that we'd like to see probably more is flexibility. Nobody, like especially small startups, know where they're going to be in one, three or even six months time. And unlike bigger and more consolidated businesses, they probably don't have the cash reserves to survive long periods of time without trading or perhaps even trading at a very low scale. So, I mean, there will obviously be cases where this is not possible or applicable, but in the majority of the cases where it is, I think the key to uh, kind of be successful and move forward in this kind of crisis is being very open to change and be willing to do things differently and adapting the ways that you're doing business, even if they're not how you'd ideally operate. And this actually, I think, closely relates to mindset. It's really easy to feel down and pessimistic about the current situation, but sometimes by focusing on the negatives, we're not really focusing on how we can change and how we can adapt to survive or thrive during these bad situations. And there's this quote that I've heard a few times, but I think it's really relevant to the current uh, COVID crisis, which is by Andy Grove, who is the ex-CEO of Intel, which said that bad companies are destroyed by crisis, good companies survive them, and great companies are improved by them. And I think while this seems perhaps that it's only applicable to massive companies with big budgets, um, I actually don't think it's the case. Anyone with a business, no matter how small, can use times like the current ones as an opportunity to become better. I think the key is to take an honest look at what you've been doing, how you've been operating to date, and then understand what's at your core and is actually essential versus what you may be able to give up in order to pivot your business in a more profitable direction. And I think this is like the pivoting um, element is so important, especially at a time where many consumers are worried about their job security. We've seen loads of reports saying that everyone's being much more careful than ever with their spending. Uh, so, and also from what we've seen over the past months, consumer behavior is much less predictable than it was before. 
and really fluctuates with the number of cases in each country and also with the different government announcements, especially if there's lockdown involved. So it's definitely harder to plan and from a marketing perspective, harder to set benchmarks, KPIs. But as a business, if you think about it, consumers still have needs. If you have a strong business proposition, you're true to yourself and you are willing to adapt to the current environment, you're giving yourself the best chances for success. And in fact, from a pod perspective, as we already started the business during the pandemic, one of our key pillars since the very beginning has been this flexibility. And that ranges from anything between ways of working to commercials. And even though a lot of business books will probably recommend that you have a very set way uh, that you operate in, um, that is very clear to customers, we've actually won a few accounts thanks to this flexibility and adapting to what our customer needed. Um, but it all comes down to the business basics of paying close attention to what your customers need and pivoting accordingly. And have you seen any other businesses doing anything like particular that you thought was a really cool pivot or something like very interesting that you've seen? I think it's probably been harder for small and independent shops that may not have had the right infrastructure to make such big changes in the middle of a pandemic. But we've actually seen some really good examples of it, of these small businesses adapting. And probably my favourite is a small clothes shop in my hometown. So to give you a bit of context, this is a shop that has been open for a long time, over 10 years, I'd say. And initially, it mainly sold accessories, but then they expanded their offering to also include all sorts of clothes, but had a particular focus on formal party dresses. And then during the first wave of COVID, as Spain was under the very, very strict lockdown, the owner of the business started posting daily Instagram stories with herself wearing different outfits and started selling these um, outlet pieces online in whichever sizes they had left and at reduced prices. And it was such a hit that Dave continued to sell online, um, including pieces that are not outlets uh, now. And the engagement and the following that they've managed to create is incredible. So since March, they've seen an increase in, from about like 16,000 followers to almost 27,000, which is again, pretty astonishing, bearing in mind that they're a small independent high street shop. I think that the success has been mainly thank you to two things. One is the effort they've put into posting the daily Instagram stories and they talk people through the different items of clothing and how they can best combine them rather than hoping that people will go to their website and find out uh, for themselves. And the other thing they've done is amazing customer service. Actually, someone had an issue with their original dress, uh, but they managed to ship one of their dresses to her who was in Germany in under 24 hours. And is there any advice that you guys would give to businesses who are trying to think more flexibly because it's it's sometimes it is easier said than done especially if you're under quite a lot of pressure it can be hard to take that step back in terms of advice and i know as you say sometimes it's easier said than done the first thing would be don't be scared to keep an open mind and use this time to discover use this time to really understand which areas of your business are in demand so whether it is a shop in Girona or whether you are a digital marketing studio as we are, um, you know, there's going to be changes and fluxes in 
both supply and demand. So it's really kind of using this time to understand where that is and what that looks like. And I think with every business, there's going to be parts of it that grow. And then there's going to be parts of it where we see the demand for. It's kind of like in order to be flexible, um, keep, just keep an open mind and almost like see where the opportunities are. One thing I think that both of you've mentioned is the importance of, you know, online now. And it's it's something that we've heard a, a lot about. But is there any are there any tips that you would that you would give to businesses who are trying to kind of build that online presence or ramp it up or, and continue to ramp it up in this time? Yes, definitely. And I think it kind of goes back to because consumer behaviors change so much. We've all changed so much as individuals in terms of our behaviors and what's happening. Um, as businesses, we all need to act with the consumer in mind, the customer in mind. So almost considering what do they want to hear? Where are my customers spending time? So, you know, what channels are they spending time during this lockdown in? Um, what channels are driving the response that you're looking for? when you're kind of considering that that's how you would ramp and that's how you would boost again it's kind of like looking at which areas of the business are, are in demand and which area of the areas of the business are helping you grow in a similar way to increasing your online presence it's which areas of the business are your customers responding to and this is such a marketing term but it's really important to think holistically so across your paid channels across your organic channels and um, whether it be your website and your emails the important thing is now is to really spend time and resources so whether that's financially um you know where you see and where you yield results one of pod's main focuses is paid social and i know it's something you both have a lot of experience in so are there any um do's and don'ts that you'd advise for getting started with paid social because it, it can be difficult to know where to start i think to start i'd recommend um asking a couple of top line questions so the first one is to think about how paid social fits into your business um, it's like, what is my business goal? And then reflecting on your overarching business strategy will definitely give you perspective on what you're trying to achieve. And then once that's clear, you can really see if paid social fits within, uh, within your business and your marketing strategy, and if it can help you achieve these goals. And then the second thing that I'd recommend people asking themselves is in which social platform does my audience spend time when they are in the right mindset to consider my product. I think finding this crossover between where your audience is and what platform is best suited to sell your business is really, really important because everyone spends time on Facebook or Instagram, but maybe that's not where people will be thinking about um, purchasing your product. And then apart from these top level questions to kind of set the scene, there's loads of tacticals, do's and don'ts from a campaign perspective. There's so many that we could probably spend a full hour discussing them. But um, if I had to choose three, um, the first one would 100% be tracking. I know it's probably boring and the less exciting thing about launching a campaign, but I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right tracking in place before launching. It's the only way you can determine whether your campaign is successful or not and whether it has contributed 
to your overarching marketing and business goals. So I'd always say that it's preferable to delay the campaign launch a few days or even weeks rather than launching without tracking in place. Because at the end of the day, you'll be using your money blindly without knowing if it's bringing anything in return. The second one would be goals. And that especially if the budget is limited, choose the most important goal and ensure that the campaign objective on the platform is aligned with it. A very common mistake that we see and something, something that should 100% be avoided is having multiple goals. So in other words, just wanting to achieve everything and anything with a single campaign. And you can definitely look at all the available metrics on platforms and see how the campaign has performed against all of them. But the success of your campaign should be determined by a single metric. And that can be anything from reach to engagements or conversions, whichever is most relevant to your business and what you're looking to achieve. But um, yeah, avoid trying to encompass everything in a single campaign. And then the last one is focusing on audiences. Unless you have data to hand, try not to make too many assumptions on your target audience, as you can be surprised. And we've had a couple of cases of clients that have been surprised of who their audience is. And by saying this, I don't mean that you should target everyone, but definitely avoid going too niche, because you can end up paying significantly more to reach specific users but also you can miss out on other potential customers that you may not be considering uh, initially. So in summary, there's loads of do's and don'ts, but if you're struggling to find a place to start, I'd recommend focusing on getting your tracking in place, define a campaign goal, and be mindful and smart when building your audiences. I mean, there's so much in what you've just uh, outlined. I mean, it's super useful. I think the thing about goals is so interesting because it's so easy to do either way try and get all the goals or when your campaign isn't going as you want you're like well the click-through rate's good even though it's not getting conversions but ultimately like that's not that wasn't what you wanted so yeah having the goals set from the outset knowing exactly what you're looking for and then optimizing for that metric without getting blinded for everything else that's available that you can see in the platform uh it's definitely really important and something that a lot of people get uh, overwhelmed by and stressed by. It's really good advice because there's so much data when you're when you start with, uh, say, Facebook ads. That yeah, it's very easy to just get a bit lost. And so taking that step back again is really important. And are there any brands that you think are doing paid social really well? Yeah, and I think um, from both a consumer and a marketer point of view, one of the brands that I really love at the moment, and I have for years in terms of their paid social and overall advertising is Spotify. And I think the key here is that it is an integrated marketing approach. You know, you can see the above the line billboards that talk about the data that they've pulled on Valentine's Day or Christmas season. Um, and then you're on Instagram and they're focusing on a tweet that a girl talked about with her like random Spotify day. So they're using like the channels so cleverly in terms of the above the line activity, but then also the paid social. And what's really interesting is, you know, they're, they're highlighting tweets and they're using that in their Instagram creative. Um, so it's not just this kind of very siloed approach. They're really thinking of it cross channel and cross page social channels, um, which I really like. It's a bit geeky from a marketing perspective. Um, and then, you know, they're utilizing 
user-generated content, which is obviously really good to see because user-generated content is one of those things brands always want to use it, but it's the way to use it correctly in the, in the way that, you know, you're going to drive the engagement and you're going to drive the comment. So I think it's really good that they're using it very well in their paid social campaigns. And also, as I mentioned, their data in their above the line activity. I think mine would be to the girl who listened to Summer Girl by Haim 197 times during lockdown. That would be my shout out if I was going to be on a billboard. Um, so I always just kind of like love looking at them and seeing what they're going to come out with. So that's just really from both a consumer point of view and a marketing point of view. It's actually very interesting because it's a really good integration of marketing and product because also you get then your personal like, list, don't you, of like to your top listen, which I always really like getting. It's always quite handy. As you say, so well integrated. Yeah. And as you say, like product and marketing, it's like the perfect kind of combination. So to end, you've done so much already this year, but have you got anything excited planned for pod for the future? Um, in terms of exciting things happening in the future, there's nothing super specific as kind of back to our original conversation. Like now we feel like we need to be really, really flexible to grow, but hopefully in the next six to 12 months, you know, if we were to catch up, um, we'll be in a place where we've scaled, um, and we've really honed the pod studios proposition. So we're using this time period as we talked about to like be super flexible and then we'll almost see what comes out of it in the next six to 12 months. Um, but we're really open to like partnerships and like running some great campaigns. So we're hoping that um, that's what's going to come out of it, but we don't necessarily know specifics yet. And so if people want to get in touch with you two, what's the best way? The best way is probably Instagram. Um, our handle is at Pot Studios. And where like in there we regularly post actionable tips, so paid digital activity, book and podcast recommendations, normally business related, but sometimes a bit more of peace. And then they can also find us uh, on our website, which is potstudios.co.uk. Um, and there you can find a bit more of who we are, what we do, and a couple of testimonials as well. Great. And I'll put all that in the show notes for people to access as well. So I just want to thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been so interesting. And um, there's really been a lot to take away in terms of mindset and flexibility. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's been so great to be here and appreciate you having us once again.